Welcome to the MTO Show podcast. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo. Joining me today is Canada's first above-knee amputee firefighter and motivational speaker, Mike Lachlan. This episode is brought to you by V2 Innovations, Mobility for Life. Welcome to the show, Mike. I'm excited that you can join me today to share your story with our listeners. How are you? I'm good, and thanks for having me. Great. Great. So before we get into what happened to your return to service, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Like, who, who is Mike? Like, where you grew up, where you are today. And I know you're a new dad, so tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> so being a new dad, best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, glad I made it through my, my two big accidents, and I'm still here to go through this. But uh, it's, been, it's been busy. It's been, it's been great. It's been busy. And uh, he's the cutest little guy in the world. He's always smiling. And uh, he's got a lot of uh, the uh, same features I do. And so he looks like my little mini-me. So it's, you know, I got to love that too. Right? <laughs> right. That, that's <laughs> but, good. That's uh, good. Born and raised in Kingston. And obviously stayed here to become a firefighter. Played hockey in Kingston here. Um, so sports have always been a huge part of my life. Uh, growing up, played baseball, played rugby and football in high school. And always played hockey all the way through. And then so I was, I was drafted to the OHL in hockey. So pretty, wow. you know, high level of hockey I played. Um, and I also played um, at the national level fastball. So I, I won a national championship fastball. So that was another, you know, really competitive sport I played. So sports took up my entire childhood and, and I loved it. I mean, that was what I lived for. Um, and then once I decided, not once I decided, once the, the hockey world decided I wasn't going to make the NHL, I started looking what I wanted to do besides that. And firefighting was always top of the list. So I just applied myself to, to getting that done and um, became a firefighter at the age of 19, a volunteer firefighter and full-time at the age of uh, 22. So uh, my story is yeah. 2007. I grew up on a farm as well. So, you know, always snowmobiling, dirt biking, four-wheeling, all that stuff. So 2007, I'm out for a snowmobile ride. Uh, it was in Alobra Lake, uh, which is north of Kingston. And it was nighttime, it was dark, it was snowing. And I was with one other guy and I was thinking up with him because we're in the middle of the lake and you can get lost very easily out there. And I, don't, I didn't know the lake real well. So every time I would lose his taillight, I would try to speed up and catch up to him. So uh, I lost his taillight and I couldn't find it for a little bit. So I sped up and I was going very fast. I was doing... Say you're doing 140 on the 401 in your car. I was going about that fast on the snowmobile across the lake. And I was off the beaten path by about 20 feet. And right. I remember driving along and all of a sudden seeing the island and going, oh my God, I'm dead. And I let go of the home. And the next thing I know, I sat up and went, I'm alive. Oh my God, I'm alive. And I had hit the island and, and flew 150 feet through the island threaded the needle up through all wow. these big mature trees. If I had hit any of those trees at that speed, I would have snapped in half, right? Um, right. And landed. And so when I sat up, you know, I kind of got my bearing, looked down and my left leg was snapped off uh, at the femur, not um, through the skin or it was very deformed and snapped behind me. And I'm like, oh my God, I broke my femur. I'm, you know, I'm going to die out here because it's minus 25. It's in a snowstorm. It's is, is dark, dark out, right? You can't see anything uh, except for the snow coming down in front of your face. And like, who's going to find me out there? And how could that guy find me, right? Because it's so right. dark out there and he doesn't even know where he lost me. So I got this idea in my head. I was a fighter at the time already for six years, actually longer than that, um, 
but uh, for nine years. But I, uh, I had this idea in my head. I was going to crawl to the cottage that was on this island. And I was going to light mm-hmm. it on fire. And the fire department would come <laughs> and find the cottage, and they'd find me. Right. That's, right. That's, that was my rescue plan because I had, I had no other options, right? So that was. So you were aware of what you were aware of what had happened, though, and you're still cognitively thinking about what you're going to do next. Instead of being in, I guess that could be like the shock system of uh, you're still in your life saving mode, being a firefighter, and then going. Let let me not worry about my leg for now. Let me see how I'm going to save my life first. Yeah, and that's and that's totally in my training in firefighting, and that's what saved me. Um, So that, and luckily, I wasn't knocked out. I had a helmet on, so it saved. I didn't have any head injuries, right? So that was the first part. I was able to save myself. Um, So the next part was getting to that cottage, right? So I started crawling inch by inch. And I remember crawling and then physically grabbing grabbing my leg and pulling it along with me because I could feel it coming, like stretching where there was no bone anymore. It was that bad. Um, And the pain is unbearable, right? You know, you can't even explain that kind of pain. Um, yeah. but I knew what I had to do to survive. And it's, you know, they say it's either in here or it's not. And if you can, if you can survive these situations, right. You'll either freeze up and go into shock or you'll, or you'll survive. Right. Right. Um, so, so I started crawling and I remember crawling and I remember laying down about five minutes into the crawl and being like, just die and get it over with. And I closed my eyes and I was trying to die. And I was like, you know, and then when I was doing that, it was going through my head. No, 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 I can't die. You know, my, my friends right. think I'm this tough guy. That's like hockey and all this stuff. Right. And I was this fighter and, and, uh, I can't, I can't let them down. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. So I started running. Right. And it was just these, these little motivations that kept me going. So I did that twice and I think on the second time and tried to die. And then I thought, you know, I can't do this to my family. You know, I can't, you know, they're going to be so upset. My mom, you know, my dad, everyone's going to be so upset. So I can't do that. So it got me going again. And the second time it got me going again, then I heard a snowmobile coming back and then I heard it Mm -hmm. shut off and I heard him hollering for me. And so we hollered back and forth and he found me and he dragged me up on the back of the snowmobile. Yeah. And, uh, and drove me in there. They transferred me to a car and got me to the hospital. So was the car you're following a friend of yours that, or you just saw these lights and you figured you'd follow it for a clear path of no, the road? No, no, it was, it was a friend of mine that I was snowmobiling with. Yeah. Okay. When he saw me laying there, he went white as a ghost and he didn't know what to do. And I'm like, Listen, you're going to grab me and you're going to drag me on the back of the snowmobile. You're going to drive me into safety. Right. And, and I, I said, I'm gonna, when you grab me and drag me, I'm going to scream and it's going to hurt so bad. And you're going to want to let go and let me stop. I said, don't do it. So, so he goes, hey, I can do that. I can do that. Right. So he grabs me and he starts to drag me and I go, ah, and, uh, he stops. I go, I told you not to stop. Right. So <laughs> it's kind of comical in the same looking back. Right. And right. so the second time he actually did it and he dragged me up on the back of the snowmobile and got me in. So he saved my life. He, he came out and saved me. Yeah. He found me. Once I got to the hospital, they, I remember, uh, one single person coming out of her and being like, okay, sir, we're going to get you in. And when he opened the door, he went, oh my God. And he ran back in and got a stretcher and came back out like 10 people so that kind of made me realize how serious it was um Mm -hmm. and then so from there on in it was you know i i was going it was it all happens real quick but yeah it's like you know a scramble of people around you and then you know the surgery so i ended up with a shattered femur uh shattered kneecap tibia fibia and uh i actually broke my ulna and i have a i have a titanium plate in my forearm. I've got yeah, a titanium uh, rod in my, for my femur. Yeah. And then I've got 33 pins and screws holding my leg. 
Yes. And actually, I didn't know my arm was broke. So the whole time I was crawling, I was dragging myself using my arms. And right. I wake up out of surgery with this huge cast on, right? And I'm like, what happened to my arm? They're like, oh, it was grossly <laughs> deformed. You, you broke it really bad. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't even know because my leg, it hurt so bad. Uh, right. I didn't even notice the, uh, the arm. Because I guess with the adrenaline that you're going through, you know, trying to save your, yourself from the road or your idea of getting this cottage on fire to call for help somehow, to signal for help, the broken arm is almost secondary because you know your leg has been dislocated. And then being aware of you dragging your leg at the same time as grotesque and how movie-like and zombie-like that is, because you're in this flight mode, right, the, the fight or flight mode, or you're on the fight mode, I should say, on the flight or fight mode. Uh, fight or flight yeah. mode. You didn't realize how badly your arm was and the damage you were causing trying to crawl. But you have to make a quick decision at that point as to what you needed to do. And in your mind, you had to to light up this cottage to catch fire, so that you can call attention to yourself. So going back to the hospital, did they try to save your limb, or did they kind of just said, "That's it. We're gonna." amputated at this point so here's where actually uh i'm getting two stories mixed together here because believe it or not the story i just told you wasn't the yeah. story that i lost my leg <laughs> oh so boy that was actually the, my first yeah i read that you had yeah. two i so read that, that you that had two incidents within the first couple of years so how did you how did yeah. you come about losing yeah. your so leg that was 2007 yeah yeah so so fast forward to 2016 my Believe it or not, from that first accident, I, I healed completely. You would never know I was ever in an accident. Uh, continued playing hockey uh, as a catcher in fastball, uh, firefighting, every physical demanding thing I used to do, I continued to do with, with the titanium that was put in me. Uh, they completely, they fixed me perfectly. Um, so 2016, uh, dirt bikes my whole life, growing up on the farm and uh, motorcycles. So I had a Harley Davidson and I was in for a ride. Um, mm. it was on a back, back lake, um, road. So it was a windy road out in the sticks and I'm driving along, minding my own business, doing the speed limit, doing everything right. And a deer comes out of the ditch and runs right into the side of me. So it happened so quick. And so I didn't go down right away. I got into a bit of a speed wobble with the bike. And once I got control of the bike again, I looked up and there was a 90 degree turn in the road. So I tried to turn as hard as I could. And when I did, I hit the shoulder of the road and, you know, trying to turn on, on gravel on a motorcycle doesn't work. Right. And the bike just shot it from under right. me. So as I was falling, I remember thinking to myself, don't hit your head. Don't hit your head. You know, if you hit your head, you'll, you'll get, uh, sure. you know, major trauma and you'll die. That's the chances right. of dying are pretty good when you hit your head. Right. So right. I remember sliding on my butt, um, trying not to hit my head. And so we, uh, so I'm, I'm, I landed on my butt so hard off the road. I broke my back and my neck and then continued to slide on my butt into the ditch, uh, into a, a rock cut, basically a bunch of rocks and watched my leg get torn off. Um, and, wow. and I remember I watched it and I remember it. I was conscious the whole time and, um, everything came to a stop and the bike flopped down on the, on top of me. And cause it hit the rock. Like it, it, was, it was crazy. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, I just killed myself. And right. then the same thing kind of from the first one happened. I was like, okay, well, I'm not dead yet. So I'm going to fight until I'm dead. And right. so I flipped the bike, flipped the bike off me. And you know, when they say you get this like superhuman mm -hmm. strength, when the, the chips are down, mm -hmm. and you it, that's the truth because there was an 800 pound bike. I'm a pretty strong guy, but I'm not 800 pounds strong. 
And right. I flipped that thing off me like it was nothing. And then I looked down and my leg is holding on by some skin, torn off. My tibia and fibula were sticking out through the skin. My ankle bone was showing. Like it was just a bit of a horror movie. Right. Um, and so keep in mind, I didn't realize my neck and back were broke. I just thought my leg was screwed up, right? So immediately what goes through my head is like, oh my God, I, I can't be a firefighter anymore with a leg, right? And, uh, but you know, I'm like, so I, I got to survive this. I got to survive this. So I pulled my, well, I pulled my belt out of my pants. I turn a key mm-hmm. my leg. Once again, fire training, right? And yeah. then I got my phone in my pocket. And instead of phoning 911, I phone fire dispatch. And because I just, I just know from being a first responder that fire, uh, 911 takes a couple changes. So it goes to 911 dispatch, then they transfer you to wherever. Where if I right. phone right into fire dispatch, they send them like that, right? So right. did that. And so these people know me in fire dispatch, right? They're my people. And right. so they're like, so I, right. what I'm told is the whole building was down there listening to me screaming on the phone for the next 17 minutes. Because um, yeah. they, they really thought I was going to die, right? Yeah, no, I read, I read in one of the articles that you just kept yelling, I'm dying, I'm dying yeah. um, on the call. And so how do you react to that? Like, you know, do you, I guess the, the person receiving at the other end of the line, did they go, where are you? And then you have yeah. to respond to them where you're located to, 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 yeah. so that they can get to you. Yeah, so what I was told was, I haven't heard the tape and I don't want to hear it, but uh, right. I was told I, I spit out you know, who I was, where I was, and what was happening to me like in the first few sentences because that's what right. you're told to do in case you pass out right so right I, I got that out immediately and the trucks were immediately on their way the ambulance was immediately on their way um and then from there on in she just kept me on the line to keep me alive basically in case i was on the way out so yeah it's it was crazy but I, can't, actually, I, I can't imagine just you know you're still again that fight or flight mode in that i'm not giving up which i think you know um, a lot of our stories are told that way. I'm not giving up. And that's where we are, where we are. And also just that whole, I got to get, because my, your training becomes secondary nature to you. And almost really, you're, you're, it becomes you, right? At this point, because you knew you had to provide this information so that you could get help without falling into shock of, oh my gosh, I'm going to die here. But you're not willing yeah. to die there. And you're like, yeah. my training says I have to give my name. I had to give my location. I had to tell them exactly what my experiences are so that they know when they get to me how to, to look after me. So yep. that's, that's, an, that's, that's an amazing thing to me to, to still function that way with the trauma that you just experienced for your brain to, to still work that out and go, I have to still do this because it's my job. It's become really second nature to, to do that and saving yourself in the long run or in the end of it all, you know, because yeah. of that training that you had. So. I, t- I tell people, I said, I, I had a practice run in 2007, so I got pretty good at it for 2016, right? <laughs> and that's why. <what> so, <laughs> yeah, so I want to go back to the, the snowmobile one and then this one combined together. Is it the same yeah. leg that you hurt? No, that unfortunately. <laughs> if you can see my, my face, I'm making a yeah, face right now. Shock. My good leg is made out of titanium. Yeah. So wow. I, I wish it had been that leg, then I'd be left with my one good leg, right? But this right. is my good life now, right? So yeah, right. It, 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 and and since I lost my right leg, my left leg has become so muscular and so strong that you know right. you wouldn't. It, besides the huge scars that are up the, up the side of it, you wouldn't right. know that it had that trauma inside of it, right? But yeah. that's still a storyteller, though, with that scar, because that's still a story in itself, right? Because if you think about it, that leg is still 
there as your good leg now, even though that suffered equally, not yes. as worse as the other one, but it's still holding you together. And it's still, that scar still tells a story of what had happened in both of those cases and both of those instances of what had happened to you and where you are today. So then when you got to the hospital for this particular accident, did they tell you right away? So going back to my question before with, did they say you're going to lose this limb or we're going to try to attach it again and put it together or what was sort of the... So Yeah, so they did They did put it back together. They, um, okay. they reattached it. They put all the bones back together um, and, and they told me there was hope. I think that's what mm. they tell you, but mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost you know, 99% sure that they knew they would amputate it down the road. Right. It was that bad. I think they do that, you know, just for, for you as a victim, they want right. to try their, try their best and maybe a miracle will happen. But, right. um, like there was, there was no blood flow the entire time when they re- reattached it. I think it was reattached for about five days. Um, there was no blood flow to it. It was turning gray. It was actually killing me. It was just right. draining my body because my body was sending all of its energy to try to heal that. And Correct. nothing was happening, right? As you know. Um, so eventually, you know, the, a doctor did come in and sit down. And he said, Mike, you know, we've tried and we can't get this to, to happen for you. And, uh, right. and, and he said, like, I think you knew this all along. And, and I did. And I had that. Right. I, had, I had that little bit of hope because they gave me that little bit of hope. Yeah. You know, maybe, but in the back of my mind, it was like, okay, I got to prepare for this. Um, and I remember um, laying there and, and I only grieved probably about the loss that I was losing my leg for about an hour. And then my dad came in and we started researching what the best prosthetic leg was so I could go wow. back to fire. <laughs> so I, I'd already so it's all, all of a sudden back. the outlook, right? So it's uh, right. So I think um, I, as I, and I get this question asked all the time too of me, they, they said, how did you deal with knowing that you're going to lose a limb? And then how did you then move forward after that? My situation is I grew my limb 15 years ago before my okay. amputation, right? right? So when I chose to amputate was similar to yours in that I looked forward past the surgery. It became almost like it's just another surgery and I had to get past this. So I think right. that we all had that pivotal moment, amputee or not, where, where we decide to act on the change, right? And we had to make good of a bad situation and not be a victim of our circumstances, kind of like what you said already. <laughs> so the driving force behind you then is to go back to being a fireman when you started looking at those legs and what would work for you as a fireman again, or was it just to go back to life even? Like what was the, uh, the actual driving force? The actual driving force was, I want to be a fireman still. And you know, that's, that's what I do. That's who I am. And I'm, I'm going to go back to it. So what leg can do that for me? And it's funny because we actually found the, uh, the Autobahn X3 and mm-hmm. which is, you know, the world's most leading leg right at the, at the moment. And, yeah. and we're like, that's the one. And before we knew about any insurance or stuff like that, or even if I could right. get it in Canada, like we had picked it out. I'm like, I'm getting that leg to do what I want to do. And then, in, right. and then what goes along with firefighting was like, I want to go back to sports and I want to get back to working out. And mm-hmm. I want I want my life back. So it was all, it was all in the back of my mind. But firefighting was the, at the forefront. I was like, I, I have to get back to it. So you didn't have the surgery as like right after they said you're going to lose this leg. Were you given an opportunity to think about it, or did you mole on it, or did they say you know it'll be done next Tuesday, or where you had a few more days with reconciling anything, or like to your point earlier, it just within an hour you reconciled. I'm going to lose this leg. They could do whatever they 
want to do the surgery and I'm going to look forward from here on in. Like, what was yeah. that like in the, in the, oh, in the surgery, I guess, or in the hospital? So yeah, it was quick. It was the next day. They, they okay. said like, we need to get this off you basically because it's, it's killing you. Right. right. And uh, so as soon as I signed, basically signed the paper and said, they're allowing them to do it. Right. It was the next day and back into surgery. And as you know, surgeries, we've had enough of them that it's just like, okay, here we go again. Because, right. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. And, um, and then I remember waking up though. And the first time I looked down, you know, mm -hmm. I did, I, I'm, you know, I remember crying a little bit and being like, Oh my God, it's real. Like this wasn't a big right. dream. Right. Like it's, I right. have no leg now it's gone. Right. And then quickly, quickly right back into, okay, let's do this. You know? So how long do right. I need to heal before I can put a prosthetic on this? Can I do it right. next week? Right. 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 <laughs> then, right. So the case from there on in, as you can imagine, was the doctors trying to slow me down because I was right. trying to push, you know, if they told me to do, you know, three leg leg raises, I would do 300. Right. And right. I always wanted to get so far ahead. And I did, you know, I was supposed to be mm -hmm. in St. Mary's recovery hospital for up to three months and I was there for three weeks. So, right. You know, because I just worked my butt off, right? And I think you, I think you can attest to that, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're guilty of that skill. one too. Yeah, <laughs> so I know it, it's, that's it's, why in your. I was gonna say it, to your, you know, to what we were saying or to what you were saying before is that you gotta be willing to change inside you, and you gotta be willing to make that change, and you have to be, you have to have that motivation inside you to decide on what you're gonna do moving forward after this. Right. And I think that's what sort of your recovery sped up your recovery and same similar with my with my recovery is that you know when they say hey do five leg lifts of four pounds i'd be like don't give me four pounds give me the 10 pounder yeah, right? exactly. I, I, I can do yeah. this like let's let's do this with the care of course and with the with the make you know with making sure that we're not going to further hurt ourselves but actually make ourselves stronger literally limiting ourselves going, well, the physiotherapist only said I could do four pounds, then I'll just do four pounds. So you're the go-getter and, and that go-getter attitude, which I think you've displayed throughout the whole process of I'm going to move forward and get past this. And so you stayed in only in recovery for three weeks post-surgery or you spent two more or two and a half, three weeks in a rehab center. How was that? So like? uh, after, after, so after my leg was amputated, I was probably, I was in KGH with Kingston General Hospital probably for another two weeks. And then mm -hmm. I went off to the, you know, where you, the facility where you learn how to deal with, you know, the fact that you have an amputated leg and like how to do things around the house and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you, it's more of a recovery place too, right? Where you just lay around right. and do your exercises. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I was there for three weeks. So I spent a month in the hospital and mm -hmm. then three, three weeks in the rehabilitation facility. Right. So, and then, and then home. And then, like you said, I mean, it was, you know, every day I got up and, and did 10 times what I was supposed to do. And then it just right. went from there until, yeah. until the swelling went down far enough that I could get a leg on there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I was, re when I was uh, researching about you and, and reading all about your story, I, I like this one line and kind of made me giggle a little bit because of what we just talked about and having two accidents. You said, I never take it for granted that the hospital is there for me when I need it. And you needed it twice now. And the trust and confidence in the village to get me back on my feet never goes away. They do their part and I do mine. If I can get there, I can make it. I think that's a great attitude to have, right? And not to rely on just what's being fed to you in recovery in, in, your, in your case. And in my case, the same thing is that I'm getting this information, but I also have to take it in with also just a grain of salt and then see how I can better myself at the same time 
now equipped with the information that I have to get myself better. Right. Right. So for you, I think it's the same thing. It says, you know, and then one of your coworkers, I think is your captain had said, not, not once did he indicate you that uh, you weren't returning to the fire department. So when did you get your leg or when did you get fitted for prosthetics to then start going back to work or sort of going back uh, to firefighter mode? So before I'd left the rehabilitation place, Marty, my, my prosthetician there, he, he was already in, you know, introducing himself and saying, you know, we're going to get to know each other really well. And he was already above knee is very close. (laughs) Yeah. It's very intimate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, he, he was he was already there and telling me, you know, what, what to expect and what yeah. you know. I had to wear the the shrinking socket or, or shrinking uh, sleeve that goes over top yeah. and stuff. And um, so, uh, probably a couple months after I left was when I first put on a leg yeah. and and um, learned how to walk. And you know, once again, you know, it was you know take it easy. We're only going to take a couple steps today. And I was like, no, I'm going to run today. Right. <laughs> but right. you know, la- laughing cause I wasn't going yes. to, but, but you know, I, I, I must've walked, you know, a hundred steps that day and I was supposed to take five and he was like, Oh, here, here we go. Right. Like you're one of those guys that's going to keep me busy. Right. And, um, and, and I have, I mean, I've, I've this, the Autobach X3 is a leg that's not supposed to be broken. And I broke it 10 times now. We've had to send it back. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm putting it through its pace. I, th- I yeah. think, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping Autobot will take me on one day and uh, let me test, <laughs> test their devices and see if I can break them for them. But um, absolutely, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So it it, it it went very quickly, a lot quicker than he norm he's normally used to. Um, yeah. And so since then, I've had I was lucky because I started on a uh, microprocessor knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people start with just a simple the mechanical, know, yeah, the mechanical knee, yeah, yeah, and. I was lucky that someone had donated back their leg at some point and I got to go on one of the first generation Autobach um, uh, knees. And so I started on one. So right. it was an easy transition from that to the X3. Um, right. Luckily for me with, with uh, my job and with motorcycle insurance, I had coverage for my legs. So right. it wasn't about just buying $100,000. Like I needed two, right? One for work right. and one for home. And that was... Yeah. Uh, uh, very lucky that way. So one stays in my fire boot, um, and then I'm wearing one. And then when I when I get a call, I have to transition from one to the other, right? Yeah. So I was um, going to ask, like, how did you did you need to adapt anything? So let step back a little bit in the training back into work. So you're already a fireman at this point, like a full on fireman, and then you went to yeah. to take this break. Did you have to physically test again? Like, what was the process back to doing that? And is it just I can go back to work. I'm, I'm physically able now and I'm, I'm ready to go. Like how, yeah, so, what was that process like? So that was a decision made between the doctor's work right. and Marty uh, was when is he ready to go back? Right. So mm-hmm. I trained my butt off. Like once I got that leg on, I, I went to the gym every day. I worked out, I did everything I had to do. And then the fire department came up with a test for me to do, mm-hmm. to, to go back to work which had never been done before. So they basically had to be, right. yeah. So I had to get basically the test that, that got you onto the fire department, basically. Can you still do the job, right? So once I knew what I was about to do, then, you know, the guys on my crew helped me train. I go to the fire grounds and, and train and make sure I, you know, there, a lot of the times I can still do the job, but I do it a little bit differently. 
So, you know, right. if, if I have to go up the stairs, not one foot after the other, but one foot at a time, taking two stairs at a time, as long as I can do it as fast and as efficient, right. the job's getting done, right? So we found ways to get everything done and the test mm-hmm. came and uh, I was more than prepared test time and I passed the test and, and the chief said, welcome back, right? Right. Because I was just going to say, and this just kind of came up in my head as we were talking, you guys, you and, and, and those folks that tested you, should really, really write a book on how to test firemen physically to get them back on being firemen in your right. situation in, 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 or going back to work sort of situation, right? Because what a lot of times people, I think, don't realize is that you can still do the same things that you were doing before. You're just adapting them in a different way. Yeah. So you're almost, as the first Canadian firefighter on full-time active duty, you're almost a pioneer of here's what the testing that you do to qualify someone like myself to go back into full service and be back in the social, you know, in the social setting of work and being back in contributing to the, to the community. And I mean, right. your job as a fireman is literally giving back to the community. Right. Yeah. So um, I'd like to take credit for putting that in your head to write a book on, uh, the guide literally it's you need you guys need to almost put a guide together and saying here's how we test somebody and their skills so that we don't write off these guys who want to continue serving and who wants to continue going back to work into this kind of physical work because they can do it you know yeah so funny you said that because at the same time i was training to get back to work uh Mm -hmm. as as canada's first uh above neamp yeah. firefighter there was a, a gentleman in the states doing the same in the u.s right. uh brandon right. anderson and we literally had very similar motorcycle accidents lost the same leg same spot and we were mm. about a month apart getting back onto the job so wow we we talked to each other and, and figured things out a little bit together too and then since then i've had um a guy from sweden phone me yeah uh motorcycle accident above knee Full-time firefighter wants to get back to work. So um, we're helping him through that. And then just uh, last month, Orlando, Florida, a guy guy, uh, contacted us. And same thing, above knee and and wants to get back. So you're right. It's happening more and more often now. And and we could see it a lot more. So With the group that you guys have now with Sweden and the Orlando, and uh, there was another city that you you mentioned. I think with your group of, yeah, with your group, with your group of guys, doing this, I think, you know, putting together almost like a book of knowledge to say, here's how we test you guys back to get back Absolutely. into to firefighting. I think there's value in that because clearly yeah. it's not just you guys that's doing, that's going through this. There's other that will unfortunately also come across this experience. Yeah, Nothing is think, guaranteed. This is never going to happen again. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the reason it hadn't happened before is just technology with, with, um, with the devices themselves, right? Oh, absolutely. With, with our la- with the lags that they're that they're making now, you know, they yeah. couldn't do what they do do now before. So, right. um, you know, now that we have these Autobock X3s and 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 legs like that, you know, we can actually still do everything we used to do. And absolutely. before that, when you just had the mechanical leg, it just you just wouldn't have been able to do it, right? So, right. So yeah, we're just in that we're just in that time. You know, the world's just gotten that. Uh, advanced right. in technology and we can do it now. So, yeah. Now, did you, so how long did you take to get back from recovery to surgery? Was it like a two years later or was it? 
a year later? Or how so did you get to the full-time? So after so your full-time? amputation, yeah. Yeah, so um, so June, June 6, 2016 was my accident. Yeah. And I was back full-time on the trucks uh, December 2017. Wow, okay. Yeah, so, but I was back to work well before that. I went back right. to work on light, on light duties. I started at a desk job. And then I went back right. to the station, just not responding to calls, uh, doing everything right. else around the station. And then I worked my way up to, to getting on the trucks. And, right. you know, a big, a big reason for that is the open-mindedness of our fire chief at the time, uh, Chief, Chief Armstrong. He, you know, he, it's his first time anybody's ever dealt with this. So, you know, right. if he's going to let, he's going to let me do this, I basically, you know, can't make a fool of him, right? You know, don't, right. don't, don't get back to work and not be able to do the job, right? So right. he put his trust in me. And, uh, you know, and so that also made me not want to let him down. Again, uh, there's no, there's no guides yet, right. Or standards to say, here's how you get a guy like Mike to get back to this kind of line of this, this kind of work. Right. right. So he's, there's a lot of unknown for him at the same time also. So he's, you know, he's put his trust on you to, to be able to deliver and do that. So that's, that's awesome. Now going back to the adaptive one, cause you talked about, having one leg for home and then one leg for responding. So is just trying to paint a picture for listeners. Is your leg permanently always on with your fireman pants that you need to put on gear wise? <laughs> when you go like I'm, you know, trying to describe that, I guess, for people, if you will. So going back, going back to this is the first time this has happened. Um, yeah. Marty, Marty Robinson, my, uh, the guy that makes my legs. Yeah. Um, it's the first time for him too. Right. So we right. had to, you know, uh, Brandon Anderson from the U.S., his guy talked to my guy and they got, you know, found out the best way to do this. And the best way right. was to have a sleeve. So my legs both have a sleeve that my um, stump, which mm-hmm. would have like a membrane over it with, um, with a small little hole in it. And so I'll slide into the sleeve and put a yeah. pin in and I pin myself into my leg. Yeah. Um, the, the, the part that goes over my stump is suctioned onto my leg. But yeah. when I slide it into the sleeve of that's attached to the prosthetic leg, uh, I put the pin in, then it becomes part of me. So when I get, so I walk around during the fire hall with my, you know, my fire station pants on, just my everyday, you know, walking around the, the hall with pants. And right. then when I get a call, pants go down, pin comes out, I slide out of that sleeve and into the sleeve that's waiting for me. So there's already a leg in the fire boot with another sleeve on it. Right. That's kind of and what I was thinking. Is like, how do you? Oh, okay. So it's already and pre-prepped with a fire boot on and okay. Yeah, you got it. It's pre-prepped. Yeah. And then I also have a running leg like you do. I have a, yeah. you know, I call it my spring leg, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, uh, I have one of those too. So, I, but I've just started out on one of those. We've talked, yeah. we're going to, I know we've talked about running. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't wait to get some pointers and like, you know, <laughs> but I haven't done it enough to be good at it like you, but, uh, yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. So yeah. yeah, I actually have three legs, but, um, the big part was, for those guys to figure out how to make those legs for us. And they did. And so, and that's another thing, you know, these guys that have phoned from Sweden and, and the U S they want to talk to the, to Marty because they want to, they want their guy to right. talk to him and say, how do right. I get right. him back into the fire boot? Right. So you're using both X threes for both firefighting and your everyday leg. Yeah. So the idea was, you know, I work out regularly. I play sports. I needed yeah. just as good of a leg. For yeah. every day than I do for firefighting, right? So I need the same leg, right. and, and it's good to have the same leg. So you're always used to the same leg, right? Right, uh, absolutely. Yeah. 
So I just thought maybe because you're firefighting that, I mean, really, I, I know what the X3 is and I know what it's capable of. I was just thinking because of the firefighting idea, you don't really, really want to be melting your leg in a fire so that you'd wear the mechanical, but then you can't really be stable on a mechanical knee because then the pressure of the, you know, just imagine the whole water so, pressure going through that and flying off yeah. maybe with yeah. it if you're not stable, yeah. whereas the X3 well, can keep you stable. Let's put it this way. My fire gear protects my skin, right? It's going to protect yeah. my leg. Right. Yeah. A lot of people have that same question, but I just, I just have to remind them that I, it's not like I'm just going in there with a chopped off jean short on the one side. Right. <laughs> right? I still have fire gear over top of the, the, the Autobock X3, right? So yeah. it's protected. Yeah. 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 I actually have an old X3 here that I use for demos. Oh, you do? Uh, when I'm yeah. demoing, different prosthetics are. And, yeah. you know, in my mind going, well, I know that the X3 is pretty, you know, pretty strong and, I mean, dust, water, whatever. But you yeah. must be putting it through the paces if you're going to put fire dust on that and everything else on that. And then again, yeah. without thinking, going, well, yeah, you would need an X3 because you want to be able to be stable when you're going through those actions of jumping off a truck or whatever. Whereas with yep. the mechanical D, you may not be readily as stable on that because it's depending on how you balance well on a tubular piece of a mechanical knee right so yeah yeah oh yeah it, it's it's day and night i actually tried one just to see what it was like right and i, I and i was oh, spoiled I, from the get-go right I, I could imagine i had no idea yeah yeah I had no idea. no yeah i was like so do you so you don't even wear a mechanical knee you're just on a full-time microprocessor knee then yeah microprocessor knee and wow that's, that's and awesome that's right for, Right from the beginning, right? I didn't even transition. Right. So, yeah. like I said, I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. <laughs> yeah. so that's that's good, man. So, so you went back to work, well, a year and a half to be back on the truck. And then you had just been at it back the same as you would before you, before this amputation. Yep. So Responding to calls. They, and, and so they wanted to make sure they did the right thing. So, at right. the beginning, they were like, you know, we, we take turns driving uh, the trucks, you know, you're the engineer sometimes, and then you're you're the door kicker, you're the firefighter sometimes. And but they put me right through my paces off the top, and you know, you're in the back of the truck, you're going to kick down doors, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, because we want to make sure we made the right decision here. So wow. at the start, I got through the right paces pretty good. Now, as you as you've been on the fire department longer, you get to kind of pick and choose what you do a little bit more. Right, and seniority, of course. Seniority, seniority, yeah. And a lot yes. of the older guys like to be engineers and drive the trucks, right? So right, uh, luckily. I've been lucky as of recently that I just got passed to drive the ladder truck. So it's the, you know, the biggest truck in the fleet. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so I just uh, had to get, you know, go through my paces on training to learn how to do it all. And then driving it, what streets does it fit down first of all. Right. And like, right. it's not, it's massive. It's, it's awesome to drive. And so, so I just got passed on that uh, a month ago and now I'm, I'm a ladder driver. So I'm going to hopefully be doing that for a little while right now. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. It's, it's something new wow. too, right? Always trying to challenge right. yourself. Right. Of course. Of course. Now let's switch gears for a little bit. You were open about your own experiences with PTSD, both from your duty and I'm sure your life experience, obviously. How do you deal with the triggers that brings those emotions forward? I know you're an e you know, you seem like a, a motivated guy and you're, you love the challenges, but I'm pretty sure there's, there's moments where emotion sort of comes forward a little bit every now and then, right? We talked about looking down at that leg and you're like, it's gone, it's missing, right? Or maybe in the middle of the night, you would have like a phantom pain of sorts. And I don't know if you experienced that, but you're like, oh man, then there's, you know, again, there's that trigger of whatever 
would bring yep. back that June day. So yep. how do you deal um, with that? So you're totally right. Like, so, so people see us most of the time, we're smiling, we're happy and we're motivated, right? They don't yep. see the, the days we have where, you know, everything's going wrong because of your legs being missing, right? Or right. your leg being missing. And so they're the hard days, right? They're the ones we have Absolutely. to deal with ourselves. No one's helping us but us. And you've got to be like, okay, well, you know, I've gotten this far. I got to keep, you know, soldiering on, right? Like, yeah. this is, it sucks. It, we're, it, people don't realize how much it does suck to have right. a limp. Because like I said, they see us smiling. They see us, you know, motivated all the time. Well, yeah. We're not all the time. But anyways, so I guess I have to always go back to all the bad things that have happened to me. So, mm -hmm. So we didn't touch on the third. I, I say I had three major things that have happened in my life. And mm -hmm. uh, in 2011, my girlfriend committed suicide and I came home and found her. And wow. so the emotional trauma of that mm -hmm. is way worse than losing a limb. And I'll tell you that right now. Emotional trauma, it ruins you, right? And so right. I, it took me a long time to recover from that. So, right. you know, I totally forgot about hurting my leg the first time in 2007. And then you know, in 2016, yes, this was bad, but you know, the emotional trauma is way worse. So right. I guess it's not, it's not so much that, that comes up to, comes to mind, but it is that I survived 2016. And mm -hmm. in doing that, I met my wife in the hospital. She's a nurse. Right. Uh, she wasn't my nurse, by the way, make, making that very clear. She was in the hospital. <laughs> I, and I, I had a question with right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she wasn't so your was nurse. Really, okay. Yeah. And so I was wheeling around the hospital board. Uh, yeah. I'd done all my physio for the day and wheeling around, got my shirt off and my hair is long. I got a beard because I've been in there so long and yeah. I'm going by this room and there's a, there's a nurse in the, and she's gorgeous. So I throw on the brakes on the chair. I'm like, Whoa, look mm -hmm. at that girl. And the, and the wheel, the wheelchair makes a, a sound and she turns around and catches me. Right. So I have to go in and talk to her. So I go right. in and I talk to her and I, and you know, I'm at my worst, my, my life's worst. Right. I got, I yeah. have no leg. I'm yeah. in my basically pajamas. I'm, I look like I'm living on the street, basically. You know what I mean? Like I just, I it's, just. It's hospitals, I look, right? I had lost seventy pounds, man. I look terrible. Wow. And so, I just thought, okay, I just saw the most beautiful girl I've ever seen, and she's not going to think anything of me, whatever. So I left. And long story short, six months later, we connected on Facebook, and we we got married last uh, in October. So we're going on our second year of marriage, and we just had wow. a baby boy. We just had a baby boy. So. That, telling you all that, I have to believe that, you know, all that bad stuff happened for a reason. So that's what motivates me to keep moving forward. Because if I right. got through that and this happened, like, you know, there's so many more good things that are going to happen in my life. So I'm not going to dwell on a little bit of pain or a little bit of uh, poor me, right? Yeah. There's so yeah. many more people in the world, as you know, that are in way worse shape than, than we are, right? Yeah. You know, they're, they're either dying or they're, you know, they're they've lost their family or yeah. who knows. Right. So I always think there's someone worse and that's what motive that, that's what keeps me going. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of parallel in, and and when I talk to, to guys like yourself with my same experience and my, and my journey in my amputation also is I always say there are those moments where everything is painful. Like we talked about running. I'm actually off running for a while because of a little situation I have with, you know, issues with wearing prosthetics. And it's those moments when everything sort of, you're sitting on the couch and like, oh my gosh, everything is just dark right now because I'm not able to run because what I'm running is when I'm zoning out and when I feel good about myself, right? To your point about 
the silver lining and everything and how to keep motivated and moving forward and leading to the whatever has happened in the past kind of led you to where you are today as a positive person. Right. Yeah. So with having seen your your girlfriend and the emotional toll that took on you, and then your accident with a snowmobile, and then your accident with losing your leg. But it also led you to a path where you found your wife and you have a baby boy. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to find a, a thankful moment in that and how blessed you still are, having gone through everything you've gone through to lead you to a life where you're with your wife now and your son. I yeah. think that's, you know, that's a pretty great story in in not only recovery and being resilient and being strong and still being hopeful in everything that life has thrown at you. You're still standing. You're a dad now and you're a firefighter and you, you know, you're a husband. Life, right? You know? Absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah. and and I say the same thing for me without, you know, sounding like I'm, you know, I'm proud of whatever, but it's like, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking with you today. Right. right. Had not everything yeah. that I've gone through to be yeah. here talking with you today and learning about you and learning about your passion and talking with you and sharing your experience. Again, to me, I can look back at my past and just go, yeah, well, that happened. But also, this is where I am now. And living Absolutely. in that moment and in that present of I'm with my family, I'm with my friends and loving life, really. Yeah. Because what good will it do if I keep dwelling on what happened where I can look at it and go, no, I've actually been able to cross all those barriers and all those challenges. And therefore, I am happy and I can smile where I am. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If I had Sorry, given up at any, any one of those times, I had given up, I wouldn't be here today where I am. Right. Right? And neither would you. So right. that's all you got to think of it. That's, that's enough yeah. motivation for both of us, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. So let's, let's turn the dime a little bit because that got a little bit serious. There. <laughs> <Got a> little <laughs> so yeah. now I know you played hockey. You, you talked about that. And you said the OHL decided that. That or how did you phrase that before? Hockey decided, right? Hockey, Hockey decided. decided. <laughs> I wasn't going to make the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you? So do you still play any hockey, or do you, do you play any sports still, or what sort of? Uh, we talked about running, and and you said we'll find time to run together and and get all yeah. those pointers. So what other things do you do you do now? Like do you, do you are you participating in any professional or you know getting into elite sports, or you're just enjoying the dad life and play golf? I don't know if you play golf, but sort of like. The, the yeah, shoot the so, breeze with the boys every now and then. Yeah, so I do miss hockey. I miss it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I so after hockey and becoming a firefighter, I still played a lot of men's league. Played in tournaments every weekend. So, and I was yeah. that guy that I was that guy that everyone called to be on their team, right? Because I, right. I was a good hockey player. And yeah. so, not being that guy anymore is is been a big hit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not being that everyone's you know go to hockey player, um, but. You know, that being said, it was time, it was time to move on maybe. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so I actually taught hockey up until my accident. I was teaching hockey five days a week. Wow. And so I can't do that anymore either. And I love doing that. So, so yes, hockey is very missed, but there's so many other things out there. Right. So right. recently started throwing the baseball again and going to get back into that. Uh, unfortunately, I was supposed to get back into it this year, but it's been all well, yeah. postponed. <laughs> um, but, um, a sport that I found that never tried before I had lost my leg was it's CrossFit and yeah. absolutely love it. And uh, really, I, I just find it's, it still gives you that competitiveness that you can push yourself to the very, the limits and you're yeah. always, you can be competitive with the people in the class 
but it's not like, you know, um, you know, I want to, I want to beat you in, you know, to a pulp competitive. It's just, right. I want to get as many reps as I can and, you know, prove to yeah. myself and, and that I can do this. So, uh, yeah. I've really taken that up as of recently and I love it. It's such a good workout. I never, I tried CrossFit. It just yeah. wasn't for me. I go to the gym all the time. I go to the gym every day. And when the yep. gym reopens again, I'll, I'll do that. Running is my thing. And Athletics Canada has finally allowed us to go back into training. So oh, we're starting that up again. So I'm excited about that. I play golf. I run. Yep. I play ball. I yeah. play sitting volleyball. Yeah. Hey, and that's, you that's know. great. But you have other sports, right? So I mean, right, it's yeah. your own. That's the thing, right? No, I, absolutely. I, I, were, you, were you a hockey player at all? No, I never played hockey, but I'll, but I'll, I'll give you um, something about hockey. So obviously okay. there's sledge hockey, which you can go back into. And I've, and I've tried that also. And I'm okay. like, no, it's just not my thing. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I can't get my head around how to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So, th- so that's not your sport, right? That's not no. your sport, right? No, it's but just not. I'm yeah. glad you just brought up sledge hockey because that's what I was just about to get into. So I... Yeah. So once I lost my leg, everyone's like, oh, you got to play sledge hockey, right? Like, you'll be awesome at yeah. it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. Like, yeah, I'm going to be awesome at that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so far from the truth, right? So I, it's total <laughs> different. It's like, hot, besides it's... the game of hockey, the, the athletic part of it is completely different, yep. right? So I, I have picked up sledge hockey, and okay. I do play sledge hockey, and we have okay. a league here in Kingston and I play in, um, yeah. and I played in uh, one tournament so far. And I, and they all tell me that I'm progressing very quickly and that I'm going to do really well, but I feel yeah. like a complete knobby need, uh, ankle burner out there. Let's put it that way. Right. 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 <laughs> no, uh, it's yeah. just a completely different game. As you know, like, I'm playing against guys that have been doing it since they were kids because a lot of them were yeah. born with a deformity or, right. or without a limb. Right. And so these guys, it's just like, they're whipping around me like, like water bugs. Right. And I'm just remember like, oh, though, God. remember though. Paul Rosen, the okay. Rose, yeah, started playing hockey at sledge hockey at forty-one, and took what? two golds, two or three. Uh, no, he's taken, he's taken three medals, one for Lily Hammer. Rosie's not going to forgive me, but I believe he's taken uh-huh. two or three golds. But he started playing sledge at forty-one years old. I did, and he was that. able, to, yeah, and he was able to compete in three Winter Olympics for Team Canada. What? That just so, gave me motivation, brother. So this is what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Don't think that these guys are running around you because Rosie, Paul Rosen himself, yeah. started playing side yeah. hockey at 41. Okay. And, 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 took, a new, a new and competed in three Winter Olympics. Unbelievable. Right? That's unbelievable. Okay. So cool. I'll have to uh, introduce yeah. you to Rosie. One of these yeah, days. I'd, and, I'd love to meet him. And uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to Google him as soon as I'm done. <laughs> no, and, like, you don't understand, like, I, you do understand how much sport means to me. And, and yeah. I, I, I want to find my sport again, right? And yeah. um, so I have been putting a lot of time into, into the sledge hockey, but then, of course, this happened. So we got yeah. cut off from it. Yeah. And, um, and I can't wait to get back in there. But honestly, yeah, this is... Thank you for saying that. For, yeah, perfect. we'll connect and we'll connect okay. with, with Rosie. So what's next for you? I know you just had a baby. You're exploring hockey now and you're looking back into to baseball. What else is next for you? Honestly, raising a child. So like you said, yeah. I just had a baby and I'm, you know, it's expected that he's my kid. So he's going to be a little bit rambunctious. So right. um, I'm a little bit worried that I'm not, you know, I can't chase him fast enough on one leg. Right. right. And that's the truth. Because I mean, 
trying to keep up with say a two-year-old, right? That's yeah. running around the house a million miles an hour. So I got to keep right. my in shape, myself in shape just for that reason alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, for sure. to, and, and I, and I want to be the father that's throwing the ball out in the yard and going to the hockey rink and, you know, or whatever sport he chooses, if mm-hmm. he chooses a sport, um, right. you know, I want to be that father that can do all that stuff. And so it was a little bit intimidating at first. I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to do this? But, uh, you know, it's like any challenge in front of us, I'm going to be able to do it. I just need to figure it out. Right. I was right? going to say, I think we are wired now having gone through the amputation journey because I think we're always troubleshooting in everything that we do in every minute of what we're doing. So I think you'll figure out how to adapt to your son's fast movements and, and reflexes that he's, you know, that he's going to give you. I think you'll be able to adapt quickly to that because that's almost second nature to us. Because if you really think about it, when you're learning to first walk, when you are all learning to first walk, you were troubleshooting your gait, you were troubleshooting your hips without even knowing it, right? And then right, we right. go into this mode of troubleshooting all the time without even looking at the ground anymore. You know that somehow yeah. your leg is going to go one way or your foot is going to be another way. Or if you step down and there was a pebble there, your body's going to automatically troubleshoot that. So I think right. as a dad, you don't have to really much worry about chasing your son. I think you yourself will find out you are doing just what it's like to be a dad because you're adapting to everything for yourself to be the, the best dad for him. I'm sure. not a dad, so I don't know if, <laughs> if that makes sense. But I'm just saying, I think we're prepared for that already. Is yeah. what I'm saying. And, and like you, and like, like you did say, I mean, you're going to do whatever you have to do, right? It's going to, yeah. that's what's going to happen. So it's uh yeah. So, I mean, I don't really, you haven't looked too much, you know, further forward than, than yeah. him right now. Um, and then, like I said, sledge hockey, baseball, the, the sports I'm, and, and CrossFit are the sports yeah. I'm doing right now. And uh, not to say that there won't be more in the future, right? I mean, I'm, always open, I'm open to anything, right? So I've, I've, I try anything Good. in front of myself. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, this is awesome, Mike. I'm really glad that we, you, you know, you agreed to do the show. And just to remind you, folks, Mike is the first Canadian, I mean, here's the tongue twister again. First yep. Canadian above knee empty firefighter in a full-time active duty service, right? Did I get all That's of that right. right? Okay, good. You got it all that, right. Okay, and you're also a motivational speaker. I mean, hire this guy, you guys, right here, you know, for your next event. You still do, so you and I, maybe we should say, I, I met you speaking at an Autobach event um, yeah. a year or two ago. So you, do, you still do motivational speaking, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I do all the high schools here in Kingston. Awesome. Um, I've been to, I've been to all of them. Basically, I've been the face for um, hospitals, uh, University Hospitals Foundation, Kingston, for, yeah. for the last couple of years. I've done some talks for them. Mm-hmm. I've done the Fire Chiefs Conference, um, and then a number of other schools and others out of the area and banquets and all kinds of stuff. So, right. yeah, I, I really enjoy doing it, and um, I look forward to doing doing a lot more of it. Um, wow, good. I mean, one day I'll be as good as you at it, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see. No, it looks like you're doing a lot there. So where, where can they find you if they wanted to inquire about bringing you on or where can they reach you? Like on social media or, yeah. or so, sort of contact? So I'm, I'm on social media. So um, at Firefighter Amp. And that's on my, Instagram? My on Instagram. Uh, and then on Facebook, it's Michael D.N. Lachlan, which okay. is my full name. Um, right. yeah. And then of course you can, you just, if you're looking for me, you can't find any other way to find me phone the Kingston fire department and they'll give you my number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
get a hold of this guy. I think it'll be a blessing to have him in your next event. You just heard a bit of his story. I'm sure he's got a lot more stories to say. So thank you again, Mike. Thank you very much. What an amazing story of resilience and courage. He sure knows how to put out fires, pun intended. Many thanks to Mike, the first Canadian above the knee firefighter. I'll post a link to Mike's social media on my website, www.aristaltomingo.com, so you can find him to book him for your next event. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram, The MPTO Show. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes come out. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and this has been the MBTO Show Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by V2 Innovations, providing orthesis and prosthesis in the Kingston, Ontario area. Visit www.v2innovations.ca for details. V2 Innovations, mobility for life.